Hello, and welcome to the Desert Island Investor Podcast, Episode 1. In this series of podcasts, private investor Mark Atkinson will be sharing some insights into how he has built up a portfolio of stocks that is both profitable and dependable. And he'll be recounting some stories and cautionary tales that will hopefully help you to achieve the same degree of success with your own investments. Today, Mark will be reviewing MTI Wireless Edge, ticker symbol MWE, which is a new addition to his portfolio. But first, some introductions. My name is Paul Kerrin. I'm producing the podcast, but I'm not an investor. So, Mark, perhaps you'd like to explain how you hope I can be of use in uh, co-hosting your podcast. Good afternoon, Paul. I've invited Paul to course this series because although I want it to be of value to fellow seasoned investors, uh, I'm hoping this will be of interest to those beginning the journey. And if I get a little bit carried away or overly technical, then Paul will be pulling me up and asking for clarity. Right. First bit of clarity then. The Desert Island Investor. Why did you pick that name for the podcast? Yeah, well, achieving long-term dependability of investments has been my goal from the outset. Uh, And I wanted a title for the podcast that reflected really the benefits of that strategy. So the concept is, if I really was stranded on a desert island for any period of time, there'd be a high degree of certainty that the stocks would still be performing nicely on my return in the absence of any involvement whatsoever from myself. This has obviously been a very profitable strategy for you, Mark. What's the magical ingredient? Uh, Well, there's no magic ball, uh, but I'm an investor and not a trader, and that's a big difference. It's something I'll be talking about uh, in detail in in another episode, but suffice to say that the way I've approached investing is far less stressful. Uh, I've always been in it for the long game, and thanks to the portfolio, I was able to retire from the rat race at the relatively young age of 53. So I'm here today relaxing on this imaginary beach, drinking an imaginary pina colada. But I do spend a bit of real time on real beaches, and that's something I can highly recommend. I believe the plan is to get an episode released every couple of weeks. What can our listeners expect if they subscribe to the channel? Well, in each episode, I'll be sharing some of the good and bad investing experiences that I've had over these four decades, and I'll explain how those experiences have helped me build this portfolio and how it's really paid off. Plus, I'll be viewing one or more potential winners that are currently on my watch list. And of course, when I buy something new, I'll give a detailed account and the reasoning behind my decision. Now, it says in my notes that we may be expecting some castaways. Yeah, some of my fellow investors may wash up on the beach from time to time, so our listeners will find out what stories they have to tell. Uh, I was recently a guest on the um, Company of Mavericks uh, podcast with uh, Jeremy McEwen, and we interviewed the CEO of one of my holdings, Concurrent Technologies, Miles Adcock, and I will not divulge the contents of that, that podcast because that wouldn't be... That wouldn't be right, but um, hopefully we'll leave a, uh, a link in the show notes. But uh, I'd just like to say that they were uh, two absolute gentlemen and uh, hopefully the, the podcast will be well received. And I would say that uh, if you look at Jeremy's work, he's got a good back catalogue of interviews. Okay, so Mark, uh, which stock are you going to be talking uh, to us about today? 
Well, uh, I thought I'd start with the most recent addition to the portfolio, which is a Israeli wireless technology company called MTR Wireless Edge, and they've got the ticker symbol MWE. So this is a bit of an occasion for you, isn't it? When, when was the last time you actually added anything to the portfolio? Well, the last time I added a, a new stock to the portfolio was four years ago. So it's a bit of a it was a bit of a red letter day when I added to uh, uh, MTI at uh, the price was fifty four and a half pence. Okay, so I've never heard of them. Um, what what kind of thing do they do? How how large are they? Well, uh, their current market capitalization is forty five million pounds. Um, employee wise, they've got circa two hundred and forty employees, and their turnover is approximately forty million pounds. So it's a medium-sized company. So is it difficult uh, trading in an international stock like that? Uh, that's an interesting point because it's not an international stock uh, in that it's listed on the AIM market uh, in the UK, the UK AIM market. So that's been – I'm always a bit suspicious of companies that come to – overseas companies anyway, well, some UK companies that, that float on AIM. Uh, but you think, mm, where, are they, where are they floating on the AIM, the AIM market and not on the domestic market? But that's been on AIM since 2006, and it's been established since 1972. So there's quite a bit of track record there that uh, makes me feel quite at ease. So I did a little bit of research on this, and um, I just wondered if you're maybe not concerned that they've uh, pulled out of Russia and how that might affect their growth. Uh, mm. The Russian contracts accounted for about 6% of, of revenue. Yeah. Well, it's... Um, it, they acted very, very quickly, actually. I think it was back in March at time, something like that, that they, they advised that they were they were pulling out of Russia. Um, probably a smart move, to, so not to alienate the rest of their, cu- their customers, but uh, certainly that's reflected in the price at, at which I think I've paid now. That, that news is out in the market, and 6%, you know, it isn't massive. So um, it was probably, well, it was, you know, I would imagine the, the wise thing to do. Do you have any specific knowledge about business in Israel? Not specifically, no, but I'll share with you a, a tool that I use for uh, looking at the economies in which bit companies are based or in which they deal, and it's the Heritage Index of Economic Freedom, and that's by, from a US think tank, and the, they grade all the countries around the world according to different criteria, including rule of law, government size, regulatory efficiency, and open markets. And basically, what they're coming up with is, is a, a, a number and a ranking that shows how business-friendly these these jurisdictions are. So if we look, these are, these are from 2022. Uh, uh, the rankings for 2023 aren't out yet. Singapore is number one. That's the most friendly country in which to do business. And at the very bottom, ranked at 177, is North Korea. And there's certain countries that aren't going to rank in at all. Uh, Afghanistan, Somalia, and Syria, for for obvious reasons. So it's just a bit of a a broad tool. It, you know, it, it's not foolproof. But you know, there's some interesting some interesting rankings there. I mean, you mentioned Russia just earlier on. That's 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 in 2022 at 113. So that's suggesting there's there's easier places in which to do commerce than Russia, and that's been that's been that's been proved. And now Israel, as an example. That's at forty-three. That's uh, so. That's that's a that's, I think, classified as moderately free for their their economy. The UK, uh, by comparison, we're twenty-fourth, 
And then uh, looking, you know, some interesting countries below Israel, France is number 52 and Italy are number 57. And they are members of the G7. So those are economies that you would think are quite developed. So it's just a, um, a, a tool that I, re I refer to. I mean, just going back to, I mean, the, the, the one that's ranked at 176 is Venezuela that's in the news quite a bit. And I've got some personal experience of that in that one of my holdings is a company called Smurfit Kappa, who have got a large global footprint. And uh, going back several years, they had a, um, a plant, a corrugated plant out in Venezuela. And the government thought, that's a really good asset. We'll have that. So, um, and they've seized control of it. So what you don't want if you're purchasing uh, property or any, making an investment overseas is that somebody suddenly says, we want it. And I think it's a particularly, I think it's, a, I think it's an effective tool to use, especially if you're into something like mining resource companies, because if you are buying an asset, say, in might be Zimbabwe or something like that, you know, and then, you know, you, 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 you're tunneling for gold and then you finally find it, you don't want to lose that asset overnight. So, uh, like I say, none of these things are foolproof. Anything can happen, but it's just a handy guide, I find. With it being an Israeli company, does that not make access a little difficult for you? Because I know you need to do your research and, you know, the AGMs are important in your strategy. Yeah, well, you mentioned AGMs and uh, handily, they're held in London. So that's that's an effective, if I wanted to get to the AGM, you know, that, that's quite easy for, for me to do. But also, I've got to say, um, with regard to the CEO, Monny Borovitz, he's, he's communicated with me, with me directly, um, which is always encouraging when you've got members of the board who are prepared to share their information on the business to both shareholders and prospective shareholders. And I think the communication is good. They, they Most companies report every six months, but they report on a quarterly basis. So there's good visibility there. And they've done a number of presentations on the Investor Meet company, which is again, another good website to use. And they're followed by Q&A. And in between that, any contract wins are, are trotted out through uh, RNSs. So, um, you know, there's good visibility throughout the year as to, you know, the fortunes of the of the business. Uh, and also you can have a look at their, their website, which I've got to say, that that looks a little bit clunky, but there's also some some valuable information on there as well. Do they report in shekels? No, they they deal in shekels, uh, being uh, Israeli based, but they report in dollars. So that does mean some. I mean, with a lot of companies out there, there's some currency movement, and it's a consideration, but it's not something that you know causes me any great concerns because I I tend to think that these these things even themselves up over the long run anyway. So what exactly does MTI Wireless Edge do? Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, I said earlier on, it's wireless technology, and they've got three main activities uh, across the group. So that's something I like in that it's not got, you know, that phrase, all their eggs in one basket. Uh, they've got an antennas side of, of the business, which is, you know, that's got some drivers with the, the next generation of, communications i think we're moving along is it to 5g now paul i think a lot of a lot of the uk is on 5g now yeah i think they're trotting india out as a major market for them and interestingly that's where they manufacture a lot of their of their product so that's a 
and, and I would imagine these are continually going to, as soon as one generation comes along, the next one's going to be lined up. And defence, you know, defence is a, a major market for our, uh, antennas. Then you've got the irrigation side, um, whereby instead of just having a, uh, you know, we talk about you know, our, our water being scarce and it's a, it's an important, increasingly important re, uh, resource for us around the world now and with uh, climate problems that we've got, uh, we've got to be a lot smarter with how we use our water. And um, this is a, a, a means by which they can regulate the irrigation of, of land a lot more efficiently. So, you know, if, if, you, if you've got a, had a downpour overnight, it doesn't just automatically come on. So uh, that's another interesting sector. And they've also got a di distribution and professional consultancy service. So across all these, these three, three sides, they all seem to be going in the right direction. And they're quite evenly distributed. You know, it's not as, as though just one part of the, you know, business accounts like 85% or something like that. They're, you know, they're roughly evenly proportioned what features of the company um attracted you then as a, from an investment point of view well it's well diversified um across you know the markets in which it which it deals and also um around the world um israel accounts for over 50 percent of its sales but it's got exposure elsewhere so that's that's always a, an interesting point it's got net cash, which is also something that I always like in that, you know, if you've got cash, you're not reliant on the banks. And if you've got cash, you can't go bust. So very, very basically, that's that's an appeal to me. And, um, you know, management have got a, a large percentage in the business. Um, the Borovitz family have got 31.4%, which is so uh, they've got what we call skin in the game. So it's in their interest that, uh, that this works. And like I said, you know, the, the management have been and engaged. The communication looks good. And there's certain things like um, the customer base looks quite sticky, what we call sticky, in that 68% of customers have been with them for over 10 years. So it doesn't look like your customer base is going to bleed away overnight. And then they've got service agreements with certain products that they do. So that's a, a gift that keeps on giving. You know, you don't just sell the product and then that's the, the end of the story. You've got revenues, recurring revenues from that. And then you've got things like patents that make it, you know, give you a little bit of exclusivity and all these things are like barriers to entry. So these are box ticking things for me. These are all good signs that I look for. And obviously I've done some, this has been on my watch list for some little time and I've done my research. I never go in really big on an initial holding, uh, but I find that once I bring it into the portfolio, it stimulates me to do a lot more research and, and dig a lot deeper. And hopefully if this stays into the portfolio for a number of years, I'll get to know it very, very well, like a, a lot of the other holdings that I've got. What percentage of your portfolio are overseas companies then? Or foreign companies? Yeah, I would say there is only about, I think there's only this 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 company and one other, which is Summer Enterprises, who are based in the US. Uh, I would say it's just about 10%, you know, which is, you know, within my area of risk that I'm prepared to uh, to, to be exposed to. Again, all these things. I mean, I'm, I've added this to the portfolio. This is number 36 in the portfolio. Set against that is that, it's a broad spectrum of businesses that I've got. 
Now, if I had a, a narrower portfolio, if it was perhaps, I don't know, say 10, I might not take that kind of, that that risk. But there's there's risk in, in everything, in every investment you've got. You've got to balance it up and think, well, you know, um, do the do the the opportunities outweigh the disadvantages. Right. All the boxes are ticked for MTI Wireless Edge. What's their ticker symbol again, Mark? It's MWE. Ticker symbol MWE. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. Although, please remember that the content is provided for general information only and it does not constitute professional financial advice. If you would like to hear more anecdotes and stock reviews from Mark, please press the like button and subscribe to the channel. Thanks for listening. See you next time.